Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to Hebrews chapter number 1. While you're turning there, a couple of things. One is I want to... Uh, encourage you to take time uh, in your normal devotions to peruse the book of Hebrews over the month of October. Uh, I'll be preaching from there throughout the month. It is a book that uh, there's no way I can squeeze everything out over the course of the month of October. Uh, and so as we look at it, I, I want you to make sure that you're trying to get the fullness of what the author of Hebrews is saying. So I'd encourage you to take some time and, and go through that this book uh, this month. <clears throat> Secondly, I want to uh, recount to you a story that occurred last week uh, on our way to the car after church in which Scarlett informed me that she wants to make church shorter again. <clears throat> she wants to make church shorter again. Uh, I don't know if she's thinking about to children's church. I don't know if she's thinking back to the gym. I don't know, but she has determined what will make church shorter again, and that is that the sermon needs to be shorter. And so I asked her what would it take to make the sermon shorter, and she said she could preach the whole thing in two words. And I said, what are those two words, Scout? And she said, grace abounds. <laughs> now she's sitting up there in the booth thinking, he's done. <laughs> and I've only just begun. So Hebrews chapter number one. Would you pray with me this morning? Kind Father, we give you thanks for your word. And Lord, as we come to a, a, just a magnificent passage of Scripture that speaks of, of your Son and Lord, who He is, I pray that you would just open our minds, push us, Lord, stretch us, that we would just grasp a little bit more just how big and awesome and mighty and powerful and yes, indescribable the gift of your Son is. Father, give me the words that are needed for all those who have tuned and joined to hear from you today. Before we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> November the 6th, 
this year will be homecoming in Chapel Hill. We are going to be playing a, a non-conference foe uh, named Wake Forest. Um, I'll let you figure that out. At present, the announced intentions of the Marching Tar Heels is to welcome back all of her alumni and for those alumni who so desire to share the field with them for a joint performance of the current Marching Tar Heels and the alumni band at halftime. The alumni band will also perform in all of the normal pregame festivities at Tar Heel Town with the current Marching Tar Heels. They will march to the stadium, sit in the stands and play during all the breaks just like they did back when they were in the band. After the death of a dear friend and fellow band alum in February of 2020, a number of us decided to participate in the alumni band that was upcoming to honor his memory. Then COVID arrived and there was no band of any kind in 2020 and so our commemoration has been pushed to this year. It has been 22 years since I last took the field at Keenan Stadium and marched. I still remember all the songs. I sing them every week in the stands. And from time to time can even do the fingerings as I sit there and listen to the band play. I still know how to march. Eliza tells me that I continue to march as I still roll my steps as I make my way through life, much to the chagrin of the outside heels of each of my shoes. I know how to play my horn, although I confess I never was that great at it. And I can't imagine after all these years without practicing, I've gotten much better at it. In other words, part of me still thinks that I can go out there on November the 6th and do what I need to do after all these years. Nevertheless, I'm going to dig out my music sometime this week and begin the process of reacquainting myself with all this music that I once had memorized. I might take a walk through our neighborhood with the cadence playing in my earbuds to reacquaint myself with the speed it takes to get to the stadium instead of my normal leisurely pace that I currently take. You see, beloved, though I have all the steps and notes and facts and fingerings down pat to do what I have to do on November the 6th, the need to reacquaint myself is still there. I find that the same is true with my faith from time to time. I know all about the timing of God. Nevertheless, those of you who heard Friday's devotion heard how God reacquainted me with that knowledge throughout the day on Friday. And I can say now, after I filmed it, that he continued to reacquaint me with the fact that he is a God who is always on time and has me at the right place at the right time at all times throughout the remainder of my day. I believe that part of the problem facing the American church today is that we are overdue 
for a reunion with Jesus so we can reacquaint ourselves with him. The various branches of our faith seem to continuously get further and further from the biblical witness of Jesus to the point that I wonder if Jesus attended any number of churches this morning in America, whether they be theologically on the left, theologically on the right, or theologically in the center, would he find them witnessing to him through their worship and preaching? Or would the Jesus that they present look nothing like him? Yet, beloved, we must remember that it is the biblical Jesus that upturned the society of his day. And every time the church has reacquainted itself with the biblical Jesus, the number of those who follow him have grown exponentially. Hebrews is often referred to as an epistle. But one scholar has said it could be better defined as a sermon on Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we will use it to help reacquaint ourselves with Jesus. The writer of Hebrews reminds us then from the very start of this book that God has spoken through Jesus. Notice the verse number one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Beloved, we would do well to remember this morning that when Jesus walked this earth and spoke the words that are recorded in the Gospels, he is speaking the word of God. Now hear me. I'm not trying to take away from any of the prophets or any of the histories that come before him in the Old Testament. That is not the case. If you know me well, you know I love the Old Testament prophets. It's not calling into, any, into question any of the remaining books of the New Testament. It is saying that we, though, do not have to wonder, is God speaking or has God ever spoken but we can say unquestionably that he spoke through Jesus. And so the question is, beloved, for us this morning, how well are we listening to him today? How well are we hearing his words? Do we think that his words are just dead letters? You know, I, I'm a... I, I, I'm always standing in awe of the fact that each time I, I pick up some books and, and go back through them, that I find things in there that I never, I never knew before, I never heard before. To me, I, Shakespeare just continues to live and to write because every time I go back to read him, I find something new in him. But beloved, understand something. Shakespeare's been dead a long time. Shakespeare really and truly, though, has no impact on my life. But the words of Jesus do. Peter said that the words of Jesus are the words of eternal life. And beloved, they're not dead. We need to reacquaint ourselves with them. We need to go back to them and hear them afresh. We need to go back to them and say, Now God, even though I have been hearing this tale since I was just a, a wee child, Lord, I need to hear afresh what these words written in red say again. 
I need to hear them with as much power as they did when they stood beside the seashore and heard them back when your son spoke them. Beloved, are we just rushing our way through these words of Jesus? Or are we taking the time to say, Lord, speak again. Speak with the same power that they have. Lord, let me hear from you because you are not silent. Jesus speaks the words of God. Notice also that we need to remember that Jesus is the creator of all things. You notice there at the end of verse 1 it says, For whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. It's helpful for us to remember from time to time, beloved, that when we pray, we are praying to the one who made it all. Now you and I may quibble over how he made it, how many days he took to make it, what came when, but nevertheless, beloved, the truth still remains, he made it. And the implications for that are numerous. Number one, if Jesus, and we believe that to be the case because the scripture doesn't lie, Jesus made the universe, Jesus made this earth, then when we are praying, beloved, understand that he took something Actually, he took nothing and made it into something. And if he can do that, then he can still answer our prayers to make things where there doesn't seem any possible way to get through it. He can do it. When we don't know where the provision can come from, Jesus can suddenly spin it into existence. And when we talk to him, we are talking to the one who has everything at his disposal. Implications for our prayer life then in this knowledge of who Jesus is should be massive. But do we treat it as such? Do we treat it as such in how he cares and in how we care for his creation? You know, when you go to someone's house, what do you do? Do you go in, take your shoes off, put your feet up on the coffee table, take your Coca-Cola and you start drinking it and if you, you get you know, about halfway through and it dumps over and pours out, do you, do you get, just leave it laying there? Do you just leave it laying there and let it stain the carpet? No. You get up. You don't first off put your feet on the coffee table. And you certainly don't just make a mess of the place that doesn't belong to you. You say, but Pastor Mark, we are stewards of God's creation. Yes, I know that. But we need to tend to it better. Because he created it and so we should treat it with as much respect and as much awe as we should. You know, I have to think to myself when I look at the news and I... And I, I uh, hear about this massive area in the middle of the Pacific Ocean that is nothing but plastic because all the currents have brought it there from around the world. How utterly sad that is. And how utterly it's not tending to the creation that God gave to us. 
Beloved, He's the creator of it all, and we should treat this world like He created it and like we owe it to Him to, to take care of it. But it also means that as we go through this world that we all can look to creation and we can study creation and find some way to learn more about Him. The heavens declare the glory of God, the Scripture tells us. And so we should never, ever turn our back on studying more about this world that He created because it gives us insights into Him. I mean, think about it. Have you ever pondered some of the things that God has created? Have you ever pondered what was in the mind of God when He made the duck-billed platypus? I mean, I don't even understand. We were trying to play Name Your Favorite Animal the other night, and I don't even know what a duck-billed platypus is, I learned. Because I thought it was one form of animal, and I'm married to a science teacher, and she quickly informed me that I was wrong. But have you ever thought about this animal shouldn't look anything like that? Can you imagine what was going through the mind of God when he made a skunk? Do you ever ponder those things, beloved? Or do you just go through life and just say, well, I don't care? Do you ever ponder the fact that, that these, this heart of ours pumps and it just pumps in this perfect rhythm and how it just needs to go? And you and I can't keep it in rhythm if we needed to, but God does. You see, when we understand that he's the creator we, and we start looking at his creation and trying to seek to understand his creation, we suddenly understand how great and how magnificent and how awe-inspiring he is and it should humble us before him. It should cause us to look to him more and more in prayer. It should help us to understand that we aren't the ones who made this place and that we aren't the ones in control. He is. But do we do it? Do we do it to the point of understanding that he is the one, Jesus is the one who sustains it all? Notice at the end of verse 3, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You know, beloved, to just keep my life going every day, I think I run myself silly spinning plates. I'm spinning this plate to keep things going at the house. I'm spinning this plate to keep things going at the church. I'm spinning this plate to keep Mark just ticking along. I'm spinning this plate to keep Eliza ticking along. I'm spinning this plate to keep Scarlett ticking along. I'm also trying to help this person keep their life going. And I'm just seeming to spin plates all the time, thinking that I'm the one that's helping keep it all to going. But the scripture here is very clear. Jesus is the one who upholds. He sustains in other words, he is undergirding it. And even when I think that everything is falling to pieces, do you understand what it means for him to be undergirding and sustaining it all? It means that nothing's falling to pieces. Nothing on earth is falling to pieces. Beloved, some of us are here this morning and everything is falling to pieces. Some of us are here this morning and our perfect worlds are crumbling. And, and, and we can't figure out what to do. And we think it's all going to be lost. But we need to understand that underneath all of this are the loving hands of Jesus. And he is sustaining us. 
And all we must do is to fall back, fall back into his arms. Beloved, do you trust him today to just uphold everything? Do you trust him to sustain you in the midst of where you're going? It's Sunday night tonight, which means that an exercise will take place at my house as it does almost every Sunday night because we're trying to put off the coming of the weekend, I mean the coming of the school day on Monday. And so there's lots of playing when it's time to go to bed. And one of the things that is done is Scarlett is on our bed and she takes a running jump and she's expecting me to grab her. You know what? She never fails to believe I'm not going to grab her. I'm always going to grab her. She's going to hit me with full power and she's going to wrap her arms around me. Beloved, today, for those of you who are falling apart in life, for those of you who believe that there's nothing on earth that can be done, you need to run to Jesus and you need to just jump off of the bed of life and wrap your arms around him for all that it's worth. And you need to hold tight. And you need to trust that he is going to sustain you. You know, long ago, if you're a child of God, you did just that. When you put your eternal life, your eternal destiny in his hands, and you said, I cannot run my life. Here, Jesus, you have it. And you believe that he would sustain you then. How is it that the older we get, we don't think that he will sustain us? And what we need to do is come back to that point where grace first taught us to see and to understand fully and unimaginably that he is there. And he is going to hold us. Beloved, we shouldn't miss another point. We shouldn't miss another point that's found at the beginning of verse 3. And that is, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Did you know that, that last little bit there really does get me? He is the exact imprint of his nature. That means that when I look to Jesus, I know that I am looking at God. When I, when I look to Jesus, I know, I can know just how God is. I can know who he is. I can know how he functions. I can know what moves him. I can understand all there is to know because Jesus, though God is unseen, Jesus has come and showed us everything we need to know about God, which means that if I look to Jesus, I can see what grace looks like. I can see what grace looks like. When I look to Jesus, I can know what the, the, the compassion of God looks like. I can know what the mercy of God looks like because Jesus exhibited it in all that he did. Beloved, I've already told you about the words of Jesus, but, but, but I, I want to go further than that. I want you to, to take for a moment when you're reading over there in the Gospels and, and just sit with him for a little bit. 
Sit with him in his actions. Sit with him in, in the white spaces. Do you know the white spaces in your Bible? It's between the words. Just sit there in that moment as he's reaching his hand out. Can you imagine, going back to Matthew chapter number 8, can you imagine that here he is and he's just preached this magnificent sermon on the mountain. He has just spoken with authority that they say there at the end of chapter number 7 in Matthew. And then here, out of the blue, in Matthew 8, boom, just like that, here comes a leper, an unwanted person, a person who spends his entire life, according to the Levitical law, running around yelling, unclean, 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 unclean. A leper who people are afraid to touch because they might get the disease themselves. A leper who's had to leave behind all that life had for them. A leper who maybe has lost fingers and feeling in their extremities. And there in that moment... Can you just imagine the, the thought of that leper as he just sees Jesus' hand? We read it and it says Jesus extended his hand. But beloved, can you, can you just for a moment put yourself in the place of that leper and, and just see that hand coming? And know that it's been years since you've felt the touch of someone. Can you just see that hand coming and know that that life is, it just might change, that hope is right there. And then can you just for a moment feel that hand, that carpenter's hand, rough and callous, but how wonderful and magnificent it must have felt for the touch of Jesus on that leper. And then to go away healed and know that you had been touched by God. Beloved, can you just sit with his actions today so that you can know the heart of God? Can you just sit with his actions so that you know that what, what, what moves God? Can you walk with Jesus and go where he goes to see where God wants to hang out and who God wants to hang out with and what God thinks of uptight religious folks and see more that God's heart runs to the lost and the outcast and the broken and the hopeless and the graceless of this world and says come come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and find rest beloved understand something if our calling really is to be a disciple that means we got to look more and more like God and that means that we just don't have to talk the words but we have to move in the actions and to move in the actions we got to know the heart of God which means we got to know what Jesus did and what Jesus thought and what Jesus moved as and we got to make it as our own do you need to reacquaint yourself with him today and you say oh Pastor Mark I don't know this is a big it's a big it's a big jump it's a big jump. I'm very comfortable with the Jesus I know. This Jesus in the Bible may upend my life. May make me change. I realize for some folks I just cussed in church. But beloved, he wants you to change to be more like him so that more people can change to know him.
And, and, and that means that you need to trust him because of the, at the end of verse number one, it says, whom he appointed the heir of all things. In other words, beloved, the end is certain. At the end of it all, Jesus is going to be on top. And there won't be a bandwagon then. It'll be too late to jump on board then. You need to jump on board right now. And you need to say, I'm going to trust you. Because ultimately, beloved, with him being the heir of all things, and at the end he's going to be on top, understand that in doing that, he has made provision for you to be there. Notice the end of verse number 3. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. In other words... When Jesus went to the cross, he made provision for you to be there with him at the end, and his work is done. He has sat down. He has finished. He is by the right hand of God, and from there it is all done. And you can enter into that provision. But what is required is for you to trust Him. And what is more required than anything above that is for some of us today to understand that He wants us to know who He really is. Not who we think He is. Not who we used to think He is. Who He really is. And to take that on whole hog. Beloved, Jesus changed the world. And you and I sit a lot and we go, oh, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. What are we going to do? I got the answer for you today. Look like Jesus. Reacquaint yourself with Jesus and when you do, you'll leave this place and you'll go out there where they don't know Him or more importantly, they think they know Him and they will discover they don't and they will change and then, well, the direction of that handbasket is going to change a lot of directions. Have, have you met Him today? Have you met him? Oh yes, pastor. I met him long ago. In fact, right after I met him, I went right up there and I got wet for him. Okay. That's good. Have you reacquainted yourself with him today? You see, on November the 6th, been 22 years since I'm last March with some of these friends of mine. And I already know right now what's going to have to happen. You see, there's one other thing I got to get in my brain. Because my squad, my senior year, couldn't, wet, couldn't march their way out of a wet paper bag. And so I spent most of my time, my senior year at Carolina, not tooting my horn on the field at Keenan, but yelling, Go! Stop! 
So they know when to go and stop so that the form and fashion of the image of the field looked like they needed to. Based off of what the director had designed. And so when we get out there on that field that day, we're going to have to reacquaint ourselves again. I'm going to have to learn. Maybe they learned something after I left. I don't have to say go. I don't have to say stop. Or maybe I got to yell louder because we're all older and we can't hear anymore. But whatever it is, it doesn't mean that we don't know them. We don't know each other. It doesn't mean that, 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 that we, we haven't spent all these years knowing each other and, and friends and having dinner and knowing all this stuff and knowing when everybody's kids get born and knowing when everybody got divorced and knowing when everybody got married again. and knowing We know all that. We just got to reacquaint ourselves with how we function. And so, beloved, today... Here's the thing. Have you reacquainted yourself with Jesus enough to know that you're in the right place at the right time to give the picture that the director has designed for us? Do you need to reacquaint today? Let's pray. Lord, I confess, <laughs> I confess that, Lord, I don't let you blow my mind nearly enough. <laughs> I don't let you blow my mind of, of who you are and, and what your son has done. I, I, I confess, Lord, that sometimes I, I just rely on the knowledge that I've already established. And I don't press on what Paul said that I may know. And Lord, forgive me and forgive us for being know-it-alls today. And speak, Lord, to us that we may hear you saying, reacquaint. Get to know me better. Get to know how to function with me better. That I can use you to display the glorious picture of the grace of God. In your home, in your work, in your church, in your community. Speak to each of us, Lord, and call us to that today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.